Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Endgame Heroes podcast. My name is Kyle and I am joined by one of my very best friends and fellow co-host, Jack. Hello. Very excited to be here to start things off. So, uh, yeah, this will be fun. Yes. Well, this podcast records every Friday and posts the following morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, my name is Kyle. Like I said, I have known Jack here for what uh, over ten years now. I feel like it's pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably like 2012. We uh, we worked at the good old Best Buy back in the day together. Two two seven represent. <laughs> it's. I don't know if that's sad or good that you remember the store number there. I remember most things. <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean. Yeah. So a uh, little background on us. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, big destiny fans been playing destiny together you know since destiny's launch in 2014 which mm. is which is crazy uh, i live in michigan in the detroit area uh, jack lives in california in the uh, san francisco area so that is correct don't dox us please <laughs> exactly so we are doing this remotely uh you know we can't hang out in person so we figured why not talk about the things that we love in podcast form so this podcast will basically be that, you know, us talking about video games, movies, TV, anime, whatever we feel like, because it's what we like. Yeah, there's so much out there. So hopefully, you know, you can find uh, some like-minded things here to uh, listen along with. Maybe we turn you on to some new things that you otherwise might not have. Uh, and hopefully we provide you with some good discussion for the, the car rides and the work days behind the computers. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's get right into things. So this week, we're going to talk about a few different things. So we've got uh, Nintendo Direct from this week. We have Nintendo's financial numbers, which are pretty insane. Uh, AMC and their crazy ticket price strategy for their new seating arrangement. Uh, we have the 2023 Oscar nomination. Just kind of throw out a few things about that. Um, and then I think we're going to end off with some Ant-Man predictions because that will be out next Friday, which is oh, we've awesome. Also got, uh, we've also got uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, uh, a little bit of a kerfuffle there. How could I forget? <laughs> and also the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yes. That'll be coming to theaters soon. Yeah, so that releases next Friday, so I will not see it by next Friday. Um, I will be seeing it next Saturday, so we'll have to wait to talk, you know, discussion on that the following week. But I figured this week we give our th- uh, thoughts going into it, maybe some predictions, who lives and who dies. Oh, yeah. But, yeah oh, yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, let's hop right in with the Nintendo Direct from February 8th. Would you like to start off, Jack? Yeah, sure. So uh, anyone that knows me knows that I am a pretty big fan of Nintendo. There was a lot of cool stuff in here. Not all of it really pertains to my interest and taste, but I know that pretty much everything in here, it speaks to a lot of other gamers. So I'm very happy that um, some what feels like long forgotten Uh, franchises are getting some love so that so that those yes. people can have something and it's it's not so much of them starving anymore. So uh, we got a gameplay trailer for Pikmin 4 with a release date of July 21st, 2023. Uh, we also got an announcement for the new expansion pass for Splatoon 3. Uh, the first wave is Inkopolis launching in spring, and then a second wave 
a second wave has been teased uh, called the side order with no date given. Now, how do you feel about those? Are you a Pikmin guy at all or Splatoon? Because I've never played either. I have dabbled with Splatoon, um, but never like super seriously. I like it though. Like it's it's fun. It's mm-hmm. definitely, uh, you know, it's got some interesting uh, takes on like some tried and true like FPS game modes. Um, it's cute. It handles well. Um, usually, my biggest concerns with that is is uh, typically like the Switch's online performance yes. rather than the game's performance itself. Yeah, that's what's uh, always held me back with that because the the first Splatoon when it launched on Wii U was basically online only. It was just the multiplayer yeah. mode. Then Splatoon two had their you know single player story. Then they had the Octo expansion, which I've heard great things, but I just the uh, the Nintendo Switch online service has never had the most reliable connection, so I just never gave it a chance. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like I I, I dabbled a little bit with Splatoon two, um, but I've just never really like jumped in just because that big three is a little bit daunting at this point to Mm. like jump into something that is already like very tried and true and existing and not really knowing much about it. Yeah. I'm I'm happy it exists. You know, it's, it's a, it's a very colorful, fun game. I know my little brother, when he was young, loved the first platoon. I'm assuming he played the second one, but I mean, it's, it's a fun little thing and Pikmin has never been my jam. I've seen some friends play it throughout the years, but I respect it. Um, Beautiful looking water especially for the switch in that game. Oh, oh, dude, let me tell you, I'm, I'm ready for some Pikmin. I am. That was one of my first games. Whenever I got, uh, my GameCube. uh, was Pikmin and then like Pikmin two and then Pikmin mm-hmm. three on, I think was like the Wii or the Wii U. I don't even remember which system I that came out on. Three was Wii U. Two was when they, right, the Wii had the one and two, uh, like remasters where you could use the motion controls, which I hear are like the way to play those games. Yeah. I never, I never, uh, dabbled with the motion controls with it. I played Pikmin and one and two on the GameCube with like that, uh, just like the, the regular game. GameCube controller, mm-hmm. um, but I'm a big fan of the Pikmin games. I also have some friends that are big Pikmin fans. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely happy about this. Uh, I was really excited whenever the Pikmin 3 Deluxe got released on the Switch, like last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun going through and just kind of like spurred on that nostalgia. And uh, yeah, no, Pikmin 4, it looks fun. It's got some interesting new features that I'm excited to delve into. It looks like you can like control what looks like a little dog-like companion, yes. but yes. it's like one of the bulbubs that are normally your enemy. And hmm. then we've also got Ice Pikmin, which is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's been a while since we've seen anything like really new come out of uh, Pikmin. And so yeah. I'm excited to jump into that this I summer. Feel, I feel like Pikmin's one of those franchises that just lays dormant for so long and then shows back up and then goes away and then it comes back and it's it's one of those like cycles where i think between pikmin 2 and 3 was a long time and i think it's been like 10 years since pikmin 3 came out originally so it's a long time coming i know it's one of miyamoto's you know pet projects he loves to do on the side for fun just to kind of mix things up so um yeah next we have uh, at least for what i wrote down this here for what interested me was the advanced wars one plus two reboot boot camp that's a mouthful right there um launching on april 21st so that was delayed last year due to the war in ukraine finally getting a release date 
I figured it'd be sooner than April. I, if anything was going to be shadow dropped during this direct, I figured it was going to be that. But instead, we got Metroid Prime Remastered, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So I've never played Advance Wars. I like tactical RPGs. I know you do as well. Um, you're a huge Fire Emblem fan. I like Fire Emblem as well. Have you played Advance Wars in the past? Do you plan on playing this? I have not played Advance Wars in the past, but I've always heard stellar things about it. So I am looking forward to this being my first foray into that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to see the the reboot to, you know, touch on any sort of like control issues or anything like that that you would just kind of consider to be like a, a, a dated issue mm-hmm. for these older games. Um, but yeah, everything that I've seen, like the the animation looks great the the game looks fun so like as long as that tactical gameplay is there that i'm really hoping to get out of it then definitely think that it's gonna be a good time yeah and speaking of fire emblem as well um there was some dlc shown off for fire emblem i know you've been playing engage have you beaten engage yet i've not beaten it yet i am around chapter 14 or 15 right now so i've basically just gotten to the last of the major continents and like finished up a lot of the major recruiting there Mm. um i've i've fallen off from it just a little bit here recently um but that that is its own like deep dive to do with story not at all with gameplay the gameplay is phenomenal and stellar but i've I've heard some um, of the best gameplay in the series but the story's been the divisive part with this one i'm not very far into it i played like the opening chapter just to kind of see it and uh i'll get to it eventually i i played three houses i love three houses i know you were a huge three houses fan did you do the dlc for that yes yeah so i did i played through all four uh storylines that are available in three houses um spoilers there's a fourth storyline that you can unlock based off of your choices under one of them but this game is like four years old at this point so um but yeah so i played through all four major storylines and the dlc um and yeah i mean i loved three houses all of the characters were very unique the bonds that you would create and like the little like side stories as you get to know them Mm. um i absolutely loved them um there's a time skip that happens where you can see them age up a little bit and you have you know of course like the sprawling romances that you can Mm -hmm. have and you can actually uh with the dlc they added the option to essentially um pair off the npcs with each other rather than just leaving it to chance at the end of the game so you can you you get a lot of of options in that regard Mm -hmm. um three houses i also really loved the uh the new game plus features that just kind of helped with a lot of the sort of like the slower or sloggier parts of the game um, and uh, so far, Engage, obviously I have not beaten the game yet, but I do know that there is currently not in a New Game Plus option, uh, which is telling me that there may not be a whole lot of replay value mm. the way that we got in Three Houses. And then the yeah the, the the character work i feel like the characters are definitely interesting they're all designed very very well i, I like the aesthetics of everything mm-hmm. um but the bonds that you perform like the little like side stories uh they are they're just so short and quick and i feel like there's no real sustenance to what's happening like the c rank bond will be two sentences shared between them and then they go off and then by the time you get to the b rank bond they're literally just picking up that same conversation 
and it just feels very disconnected and jarring in that regards. It's like, it's been a month in mm-hmm. game time. Like, how are you just now coming back to this conversation? But, That's funny. Uh, yeah. So the, the gameplay think, is stellar. Do you think the DLC is going to be story focused at all or just extra characters, a little bit of backstory here, a little bit of backstory there? I know Three Houses added a good amount of story still with, you know, the DLC. Yeah, so the the hope would definitely be that they add a good amount of story and some more features. Um, again, like things like New Game Plus or anything to carry over just to really give you some sort of an incentive to want to, you know, keep coming back, you know, try out different builds with different characters, but mm-hmm. without having to, like, invest as much of that uh, grind associated with it. Um we're getting new emblems, which is cool. Uh, big fan of uh, Camila that was shown off. Um, and then uh, they'll have like a paralogue mission for each of them where you like recruit them essentially into your arsenal. Um, but yeah, it's it is yet to be seen if they're gonna be like really giving like a um, Oh, what was the name of the the DLC for Three Houses, where they essentially just gave you an extra house um, and like a fun little like probably like five or six hour campaign associated with it, and then you could use those characters in the main storylines. Oh, nice. Um, yet to see if they're gonna do something that in depth. Um, I think Three Houses was very. Um, what's the right word it was, for it? It was ambitious for sure. Yes, that is the word. It was extremely ambitious, and you can tell that they put a lot of time and work into it. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, you know, a lot of time and work wasn't into this game, because again, the, the combat is super crisp and clean. Um, but just from a writing perspective, I feel like they did not spend near as much time developing and flushing out like characters and relationships and engage as they did in Three Houses. And uh, anyone that knows me knows that I'm a huge JRPG person. Persona 5 Royale, probably my favorite game of all time. Right there uh, with you. Dragon, yeah, Dragon Quest XI, another one that is like super high up on my list. I've uh, beaten that game on multiple systems now for, for each of those, actually. Um, and it's... It, it, there's definitely... It, it feels at least, you know, chapter... 14 or 15 out of 26 it it feels very lacking so far um and just in like sort of the 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 daily story that you would hope to see going between characters um i'm still intrigued by the main overall story for the game uh but it's definitely it it's it's i don't know if it's going to be enough to really keep me enthralled with the game it makes once sense. i like gotten there it seems like it was a very different design approach i think it's a different team making it i know kobe tecmo helped with three houses i'm not sure if they partnered with nintendo um, and intelligence systems on this title it doesn't seem like it from the way the game is designed it's very different um, i like the art style a bit more the colors are much more vibrant the gameplay is fun i actually as much as i like three houses i did feel like there was too much of like the dating sim type stuff in school mm-hmm. and it was a little bland mainly because of the switch and the hardware being you know not able to do a lot with a bunch of characters on screen but like i enjoy the game i wish there was a little bit less 
of that. And I think that Engage has that. We'll see. Um, I'll hopefully get to it eventually, but it's not on my list right now. Uh, moving forward, um, Octopath Traveler 2, surprising no one, dropped a demo. It has the progress carry over. Have you tried that out yet? I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm very excited to. Um, yeah, Octopath is great. Fan. Yeah, it was a very fun game. There are um, plenty of videos out there for like all of these crazy builds that you can put together in Octopath, and like crazy weapons that you can like kind of cheese your way into earlier than what you should. And uh, I'm all about like min-maxing party compositions and things like that in that yeah. regard. So yeah. very excited to see um the sequel to that game and seeing like what they've innovated on and like expanded on very yeah. very excited such a beautiful yeah. game beautiful game soundtracks in incredible um that whole hd hd 2d style you know they had that there was a triangle strategy um dragon quest 3 has that style coming up which i can't wait for that i'm sure you're mm -hmm. excited as as listeners here will uh, learn really quickly um, Jack and I are both huge JRPG fans. He mentioned Persona 5 Royal, um, one of my favorite games. My favorite JRPG is Final Fantasy X, which I know you have not played, Jack. I think you tried it and kind of weren't vibing, but I grew up with that game. I've, I've played that game probably seven or eight times to completion. Soft spot in my heart. So any mm -hmm. traditional JRPG we get, um, Sea of Stars, which was shown off in this Direct, looks fantastic. Uh, I downloaded that, download the demo last night. I will hopefully maybe play that this weekend. It's only like a half-hour demo, I believe. So mm -hmm. I'll give that a shot. Art style is gorgeous, very reminiscent of like Chrono Trigger and like Mario RPG from Super Nintendo. So really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, then So next up, we have Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which... Coming off of last year's Kirby and the Forgotten Land has a lot to live up to, especially considering it's a remake of a older game. Um, it's the 2D art style game, so I'm personally not into this game. I'm, I'm not the biggest Kirby fan. I thought uh, the Forgotten Land was great, but they did show off a new mode uh, for the epilogue of the game. Once you beat the game, you can play as Malagor, which I believe is the game's villain. Um, demo, the demo is available now for those who want to try that out. Didn't do much for me. I don't know how you felt about it, Jack. Yeah, uh, you know, Forgotten Land, I mean, it was definitely like a big breath of fresh air for the Kirby franchise. I had never been a big Kirby fan outside mm -hmm. of things like Smash Bros. Yep. Um, so that was really my first jump into the the Kirby franchise. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very creative. Um, I didn't realize that it was so, uh, like like cutesy apocalyptic uh going <laughs> yeah. into it oh yeah um and i really dug it i i'm really excited for that um but yeah with this one just like the sort of the style of this obviously it's an older game being remade um i don't know if it'll really hit with me um but i'm excited to see um how it does you know maybe the dlc like that epilogue that you were saying with Malagor, maybe that'll be enough to get me interested to go back into it. But I'd like to give it a try because Kirby was fun. And he's yeah. a cute little like mascot that I like to run around and beat stuff up as. Yeah, I know it's got four-player co-ops. That's, that's always fun for the family stuff. Um, next up, this is the only reaction I got probably from the entire Direct that was audible. Um, when they announced Game Boy and Game Boy Advance coming to Switch Online, Mm. That that made me very happy. I, I grew up with the Game Boy Pocket, you know, with the Pokemon. And then the Game Boy Advance, I think, is one of the greatest systems ever made. I, I love the Game Boy Advance. There are so many good titles on it. Um, Game Boy is launching with Tetris, Super Mario Land 2, uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX, which is 
the definitive version to play that game still i think i i like the switch version but the, the original version i think it just holds up better um gargoyles quest which apparently is a cult classic i've never played it uh, game and watch gallery three which i think no one cares about honestly <laughs> like i like it's game and watch whatever um alone the dark. Stash fan you yeah. know you might want to go back and, yeah. and just like see where that character came from but yeah, yeah it, that one feels like a meme yeah for sure i mean like i'm a kingdom hearts fan and in kingdom hearts they have basically game and watch type mini games and they're snooze fest for sure so mm. definitely not checking that out um alone the dark uh, the new nightmare i hadn't heard of that one before but people kind of popped off for it, it seemed uh for a game boy game it looked really good as far as like the graphics on it um so that's kind of cool um metroid 2 is a classic i think the 3ds version is the way to play that game now so i probably won't even touch that um, I've never played Wario Land 3, which came out, and then Kirby's Dream Land, which is the original Kirby game, which I have played in the past. It's a, it's a pretty fun game. So, um, yeah. and then coming soon, ho- hopefully soon, um, you know, Legend of Zelda Oracle of, of Ages and Seasons, which I've never played. Uh, I'm, I really hope they come soon because I, I do want to try those out. Um, I went through a couple of years ago and was replaying all the Zelda spots I had kind of missed over my life. Like, I had never beaten the original Zelda game because, you know, on the NES, it's very challenging and all these secrets and uh, modern internet made that very easy. I beat it in a weekend. Um, But then we're also getting um, Kirby Tilt and Tumble. And then one of my favorite games as a kid, uh, the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, oh you too yeah yes. see it's, it's so rare that i find someone that like got down with the pokemon oh, yeah. trading card game on so the game good. boy it's so good like it had it no right to be that good oh man it was a lot of fun yeah like me yeah. at like nine years old i had mm-hmm. no idea what i was doing loved the hell out of that game <laughs> yeah so we we both grew up in indiana um in a decent sized city in the middle of nowhere and uh pokemon was big i know I, i'm I was 10 years old when Pokemon Fever kind of rolled through my school. And I remember, you know, collecting the cards, playing the games, going to the Pokemon trading card league, you know, at the local Toys R Us or Books a Million. Like, Pokemon at 10 years old was the coolest thing in the world. And to have anything extra, whether it was Pokemon Pinball, which wasn't announced, which makes me kind of sad. Um, mm. And then the trading card game, whether it was the actual cards or the or the Game Boy version, it was, it was fantastic. And I'm glad to see that back. Now... Definitely. Big omissions, though, main Pokemon games. Like, are we going to get those? Is that is that going to be a Pokemon Day announcement later this month, maybe, uh, or a future direct? I, that would be incredible if they somehow did that and then gave us Pokemon Green here in the states for the first time. Mm, that's interesting. I, I haven't thought about Pokemon Green in that regard. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to Pokemon Day coming up here on February 27th. Uh, I imagine just with the complete and total lack of anything regarding to Pokemon being announced outside of the Pokemon trading card game, I imagine they're holding any sort of like digital mm-hmm. ports of any of those games for Pokemon Day, in addition yeah. to uh, what we hope to be an announcement for uh, some DLC for Scarlet and Violet. Yes. Um, it, previously, we've gotten um, the original... Um, like Pokemon, uh, we got red, blue, yellow, gold, uh, silver, and crystal yeah. onto the the 3DS yeah. um, as eShop purchases, um, and they they were exact ports too. Yes. So like any sort of like glitches mm-hmm. or like cloning anything like that that you could do in the originals, um, that followed through here. Um, I would imagine since we got those on the 3DS that 
we could potentially see that come over to the Switch, especially since the 3DS like shop is going to be taken offline, I believe, sometime later this year. Yeah, it's already um, like in like phase two of their plan. You can't buy money for them anymore uh, unless yeah. if it's a prepaid gift card. So it's 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 definitely soon. Now, my biggest question and slash hope slash dream, you know, is can this be the way we get those old titles into Pokemon Home to have? moving forward because if it's on the switch through the online you'd think it'd be connected somehow through the pokemon home app possibly that would be my guess too as well yeah and you know we already have um like if, you, if you're gonna get down into the nitty-gritty of pokemon um because with like uh pokemon let's go franchise you can mm -hmm. put them into home and it'll essentially randomize the yep. ivs and evs because those aren't available in like let's go exactly. as it stands um, but you know, like if you catch something memorable in like these games, you know, you want to be able to keep them and, and mm -hmm. hold on to them and, and have that, that sense of, uh, familial bond with yes. them, you know, like this, this is my Charizard or my yep. Gyarados, you know, and you want to be able to, to have that. And yeah, you know, that's just the nature of, of all these older games and older systems that just kind of get phased out. Um, you hope that there is going to be a way that they announce soon where we can really preserve the legacy that is associated with yeah. these older games. So, because currently, like before they shut Pokemon Bank down, you know, you could go from the Game Boy Advance era all the way to current era by mm -hmm. a lot of hoops to get through. But now you can't yeah. do that with Bank being gone. So they, they need to figure out a way to, like you said, preserve these old games, especially like Gen 1 and Gen 2 for Pokemon. Like, Golden Crystal, Gold Silver Crystal, like some of my favorite games of all time. Like my, the yeah. memories I have of playing Pokemon Silver, I got an early copy. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, where we used to live, you know, his dad went to Japan to travel for work and he came back the summer before we got them in the States with a copy of Gold and Silver in Japanese. So as, oh, a, ten, as a 10 year old kid, I played to completion Pokemon Silver without knowing Japanese. How I did it, the, wor <laughs> the world will never know. You know, but like it was insane. So when I moved to Michigan later that year, um, I was telling my friends before Pokemon Gold and Silver came out, I've already played this game. It's amazing. They all call me liars. <laughs> they did. It's fine. I knew right. I played the it. Old, I loved it. The old uncle works at Nintendo. We all heard yep, it. Yep, <laughs> yep. So, but it was fantastic. And, you know, there were a couple moments in that playthrough that I kind of, you know, got hurt because I didn't know Japanese and I learned a new move or something. But there are so many points in that game where I'm surprised, like, not to go off the deep end, but Goldenrod City to get the spray bottle to, to do the Pseudo Widow. How did I right. do that? I don't know. That's hey, you, yeah. you spam a enough. You talk to enough people. Eventually <laughs> yeah. someone will tell you this is where right. you got to go. Champ. Right. Yep. So uh, moving on to the Game Boy Advance games, which is now locked behind the expansion pack of switch online, which is fine. Like switch online is not expensive, even the expansion pack. And the more they add to it, the more value there is to it, especially with like the Mario Kart DLC and Animal Crossing. But we've got um, Super Mario Advance 4, Wario Wink, Wario Wear Inc, Mega Micro Games, Kuru Kuru Kurian, which um, you speak more Japanese than me, Jack. I'm sure I butchered that. Uh, um, it was terrible, but it, Kud yeah. Kudian, right? Kudian? Is that better? Kudurin. Yeah, okay. Uh, then Mario Kart Super Circuit. Terrible game. It's just saying. Uh, <laughs> Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which is a treasure. I love that game. And then The Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, which is a blind spot for me. I have not played that game. Definitely going to. 
Um, and then future titles announced are Metroid Fusion, phenomenal game, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Fire Emblem, F-Zero Maximum Sun, and Golden Sun, one of my favorite games of all time. I am so excited for Golden Sun, I popped off big for that. Okay, so yeah, the, the Golden Sun is one that I never played, but I played a lot of these other ones. So WarioWare uh, was a big one that I really enjoyed, okay. the, the mini games in there, very yeah. frantic and chaotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Minish Cap I enjoyed. Um, that was a fun game where you, like, the gimmick of that one is essentially you're you're shrinking down to fight smaller enemies and then like you're you're going back and forth between the two sizes uh mario and luigi superstar saga that was a a pretty fun game it Mm -hmm. had some like weird sort of like uh like kind of like quick time events in it for just like some weird looking attacks but like it was it was a lot of fun when i was a kid uh, very excited that we're getting uh, Fire Emblem. Yes, haven't played uh, that one. So that. Very excited for that. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, another thing uh, that I don't think they uh, that is available now, but is coming soon. Um, are the uh, the Mega Man like Battle Network games? So those aren't that coming to Switch Online, but they are having their own port. Um, to for like a collection like the Mega Man Zero collection, um, they're having okay. a, a Battle Network collection separate. Which those collections have been very good. I never played Battle Network, but uh, one of my, my best friends growing up loved Mega Man, loved Battle Network. He loved all those, even like Mega Man and Bass. Like, so yeah, I, loved those games. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to play them. I just kind of watched him play as a kid a lot. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited, excited for those. The, the those those ones were like one of the big get hype moments for yep. me from the direct. Just yeah. you know, old boomer that is like ready for these <laughs> games that are twenty something years old that I haven't touched in two decades. Yeah, uh, coming you know in their pixelated sixteen bit mm-hmm. form for me to play on my four K TV. <laughs> That's yep. what gets me excited and right. hyped. Yeah, I mean, there's so many games they could bring. I don't know how many they will. They definitely have slowed down on titles coming to Switch Online, but like this is a great starting lineup. And you know, again, Pokemon. If we get Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, like that will be huge. Fire Red, Leaf Green, even like those are some amazing games. I love the SNES style art style on the Game Boy Advance. It holds up super well. Um, I did try a couple games out on my Switch the other night because these were announced and then dropped day up. So you know, it's they they play really well. The Game Boy has three filters. You know, the normal green, the Game Boy Pocket gray, and then the color. So for like Link's Awakening, it looks fantastic. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, moving on, um, my personal biggest uh, hype moment for the entire Direct, uh, one of my favorite games of all time, Metroid Prime Mario Remastered. Oh. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Metroid Prime Remastered, uh, long since rumored, long since rumored to be completed like a year ago, if not two years ago. So they've been sitting on this, theoretically. Um, as we get closer to Metroid Prime 4, it's only natural they'll want to re-release this to kind of build hype for it and... It looks amazing. It plays amazing. That they added dual stick controls. It, it's it's a phenomenal game. Everyone should play it if they haven't. It's only forty dollars. Like, it's not a full full price title. That we like uh, Skyward Sword HD last year was fifty bucks. This is cheaper than that, and it's a way better game. Play Metroid Prime if you have not played Metroid Prime. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, you know, just seeing like some of the side by side from like the original Metroid Prime and then this remastered, like. It's it's almost not even a remaster. It's almost 
closer to a remake just yes. with the the difference in mm-hmm. the the graphics and performance it's smooth um, smooth 60 i haven't had any stutters at all it's just it's it's fantastic they have the motion controls if you like the gyro from like the wii era the twin dual stick or the classic gamecube style which at this point it's hard to play like that because you have one thumbstick. but mm-hmm. it's the atmosphere of this game can't be beat it's so good if you've never played it please play it yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping into this because I actually didn't get into Metroid Prime until Metroid Prime 2. Okay. Uh, so, like, me, just like as a child, you know, I just jumped in and I was like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> yep. I don't know where I am. I just know I need to kill people. <laughs> that game is uh, hard, too. Like, Metroid Prime yeah. 2 is a hard game. Metroid Prime 1, not so much. But Metroid Prime 2 is a very hard game. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping into Metroid Prime Remastered. I'm hoping, just kind of like looking at the calendar, I'm hoping like sometime ideally within the next month that I'll be able to dive into that. But like it is mid-February and I've already got a backlog of games yep, that I am right? like wanting to play. That's so. the thing, like when I, this Direct first happened, I was like, man, it, you know, it really wasn't that good. But the more I thought about it, like there was a lot in this Direct kind of spelling out where Nintendo is, you know, Switch Online, you know, growing with Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, adding DLC for more Mario Kart, which we're about to get to, you know, Splatoon getting DLC, Fire Emblem. They're, they're expected, but that's kind of where we're at, you know, and... We, we do have Zelda coming, but after Zelda, you know, there's not much on the horizon officially besides Metroid Prime 4. You know, you still don't know what the Mario team is doing. Are we getting a new Donkey Kong? There's a lot left to be said, and it's we're six years into the Switch's life. You know, is it how much time do we have left? You know, it's crazy because, yeah. I mean, I still look at my Switch and think, man, I have so much fun with this. Yes, the graphics are suffering, especially with like Pokemon Scout and Violet, but... Metroid Prime Remastered is a prime example that games can look phenomenal and play phenomenal on this thing. So, like, they just need to figure out how to optimize better, and we could have this thing for two, three more years easy. And uh, as we're, we'll get to in a minute, it's selling super well still. It's it's crazy how many units this thing has sold. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, kind of mind-boggling. Like, again, just like Old Man Boomer coming out where it's mm-hmm. like the Switch is six years old. That's... Yeah. It's closer to a decade old than it is. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's this this direct. I was initially like not necessarily like underwhelmed, but it was just kind of fine for me. Um, But again, you know, like a lot of the things that were announced, I know that like for like very small groups of people of like gamers out there, this was like the best direct ever just solely because of like a single announcement of like one of their favorite properties or, you know, a franchise that everyone just kind of thought was like long and dead, Uh, you know, like pikmin like we rise with my pikmin brethren, you know, we're we're a, a cult following and um yeah, and to your point about talking about, like, graphical performance, um, yeah, you know, you figure there's going to be a successor to the Switch coming out at some point. But yeah, this this definitely feels kind of like almost like a last hurrah for yeah. the Switch of, like, the the sort of, like, that final home stretch of, like, these are, like, the big things that are coming to the Switch. Yep. Uh, you know, with, like, Zelda and, like, some of these big DLCs to these big franchises, you know, Fire Emblem, Xenoblade, all of these guys. Mario Kart, which, like, we'll, we'll never get a Mario Kart 9 at this rate, <laughs> people. Right, like, right. 
So, uh, but you yeah. know these these things coming out you know it, it definitely feels like sort of a last hurrah i honestly i feel like there's even a conversation of like is metroid prime 4 gonna come out on switch or is it gonna be like one of those hybrids where mm-hmm. it comes out on switch and this you know the switch 2 whatever you want to call it um just because we don't know how far out that game is yeah. um and before this direct with metroid prime remastered you know, just shadow dropping, I would have guessed that this would have been where we would have gotten some sort of like a gameplay trailer for Metroid Prime 4. And the fact that it's like, no, here's another, you know, here's another Metroid property after Dread being, you know, Metroid Prime Remastered, that tells me it's like, oh, okay, you know, maybe Metroid Prime 4 is like gonna get, is pushing along far enough down the line that I should be uh waiting to pre-order it whenever that happens for a new piece of hardware essentially it really just depends on what nintendo wants to do with their next piece of hardware if it is more of an iterative upgrade or if it's going to be a whole new platform that's just backwards compatible because there's no way they leave the switch library and install base behind it's sold too much um let's knock out the last couple of these so we can talk about the numbers because they're they're insane Um, This was another big uh, surprise for most people. I'm not uh, a fan of this series. I've never gotten into it. Um, I'm not opposed to it. Just never had a chance. But Professor Layton, the New World of Steam announced. um, So from level five, uh, Professor Layton's one of those series that has a huge cult following. For people who love it, love that series. Have you played it at all? I have not. But yeah, same deal. Like it is one of those things that like if you, if you, try to talk badly about professor layton to a professor layton fan Watch you're out. getting laid out yeah. like they yeah. they will go to war over yep. this franchise so this is something that i might uh i might jump into here yeah. um especially coming from level five you know their their games just look amazing and uh yeah yeah you know, we'll see we'll see there I didn't put in the show notes, but um, there was another game announced for level five also right before this. So they two games announced back to back. It's like, man, what are they what are they doing over there? But uh, so and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Wave 4 was shown off um, this time for the first time since these have come out. It's a includes a brand new track based off of Yoshi's Island. Um, and then Birdo was announced as a new playable character. So kind of opening the door to maybe having some more characters. Maybe we'll get Pauline from Mario Odyssey. You know, that'd be kind of nice. Um, is Pauline really not for? Oh, I'm thinking of Rosalina. Yeah, Rosalina's yeah, in, in there, but Pauline, Pauline is from the Switch era, so she just never got yeah. in. Um, mm-hmm. And then, last but not least, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom looks phenomenal. Going, it's going to be an amazing game, no doubt in my mind. The big controversy behind this: the day before the, the direct, um, there was a eShop leak page for the game being $70 instead of $60. Um, mm-hmm. That was taken down, and then after the direct, it went back up at $70. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really bother me that much. Um, I know a lot of people are very torn on this. Games are expensive to make. They take a long time, and you know, if, if a game's worth the quality, like, I loved Breath of the Wild. I put, like, 150 hours into Breath of the Wild. That's money well spent. You know, like, what's $10 more, really? Yeah, with this, you know, I, I definitely understand if, you know, you know, we're we're coming off of a pandemic. We're on the brink of the a recession. Of a re- yeah. yeah, we're in the middle of a recession right now. There are layoffs left and right. So I understand that, you know, not everybody is going to um, be super happy with the price increase. Um, but, you know, this game is 
coming out in May. It is currently February, so um, ideally, you know, that gives you a little bit of time so that you can try to budget accordingly and squirrel away however much you need to in order to make this happen, because... Um, yeah, like you said, like, you know, hundreds of hours I put into Breath of the Wild. Like, if you break it down to, you know, a dollar per hour, mm -hmm. I still, like, more than make up for how much money I put into it Absolutely. that I got out of it. So it, I'm very lucky in that regards that, you know, like, I have a job and, like, my financial stability is like not under any sort of like immediate threat that you know i can see the price increase and just be like oh that's kind of a bummer just on principle of yeah. it being like it's coming out on the switch so like even breath of the wild had some performance issues yeah but you know it was it, the game was just so amazing that you just look past it correct um which is essentially what's going to happen here again but mm -hmm. i think especially with nintendo and the switch and with the release of scarlet and violet having so many bugs and performance issues that it's maybe just like on the the forefront of people's minds a bit more yep um but you know again totally understand if uh the the price increase is uh you know difficult or it makes it hard for you at first um but for for me it's it's they could charge me $200 and I'm still probably getting my money's worth out of that game just yeah. based off of like how much that game, the first game consumed my life when it came out. Right. Um, you know, and like not to mention, you know, the waves of DLC that the game got afterwards that kept me coming back in. Um, anecdotally, there was that time I remember I texted you um, that I was going to attempt the Master Sword Trials oh, yeah. one weekend while my wife was out of town, mm -hmm. um, opened up a bottle of wine. I don't really remember what happened, but I woke <laughs> up the next morning on the couch, and I had completed all three levels of the Master Trials. No idea how that happened. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just hit peak gamer hours at some point mm -hmm. uh, and made it happen. But, like, it, it just such an amazing franchise. It and is. it is... It, yeah, if this is going to be like the last hurrah of the Switch, I don't think they could have picked a better game or franchise for that to be, you know, like for this to be that big tentpole, like not going away or farewell party for the Switch, but definitely like at least for this iteration of it. I think this is like the best way to close off, especially since Breath of the Wild was there at like the beginning or very close to the beginning yep. of the Switch's launch. So it, it, it feels right that it's kind of bookending what we assume to be the Switch's life cycle. See, I'm actually on the other side of the fence for the Switch. I don't think we see a new Switch probably until 2025. I think that we'll have another fall next year with, with some titles. I don't think we'll have anything as big as Breath of the Wild unless if we get a Mario game. And they would be very smart to do a Mario game on the Switch with that install base right you know give it a new 2d mario game maybe even based on the style of illuminations new movie coming out you know there's so many switches out there which i can go ahead and say now that's the next topic here you know the switch is now the best the third best selling system of all time which is insane they 122.55 million units you know it's behind the game or it's, it's past the game boy and game boy color the only thing beating it right now is the, the DS at 154 million and the PS2 at 155. That's insane. Like, who would have thought after the Wii U, the Switch would be the third best-selling system of all time? 
Yeah, you know, the Wii U almost killed Nintendo, and mm-hmm. then the Switch just reanimated the corpse and right. brought them back. Um, yeah, and to to your point, um, yeah, as far as, like, new hardware, I think the Switch 2, Switch Pro, whatever you want to call it, I don't think we see that until 2025 at the absolute earliest. Yeah. Um, when I talk about the life cycle of the Switch, I just mean in terms of... Um, like huge like gangbusters like oh my god trailer hype reaction moments for software coming out onto like the switch exclusively um you know we might still get metroid prime 4 or like maybe a new donkey kong game that would be yep. actually really exciting i'd That'd love be for awesome there to be like new donkey kong um mario honestly i feel like uh, a 2D Mario I could totally see just in terms of it's been like a decade since we've gotten one. Since the Wii U um, launched, technically. I mean, we have yeah. that same game on Switch, but it didn't sell that well. It port. Yeah, it's and I and mean, I, I want a new art style. I'm tired of the new Mario Brothers art style. I think it's time for a refresh. And with the movie being out, I think it's the, the perfect time to kind of modify things. Yeah, and and I that for that reason I'm uh, I'm looking forward to Mario Day coming up here in March. Um, <laughs> whether we might see some maybe like a trailer drop or like a tie-in with the movie coming out, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo held that back just so that we had that little extra something later down the pipeline to kind yep. of look forward to. Um, just because I feel like that would really coincide well with the movie. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be yeah. at a loss. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a 3D platforming Mario game in like the vein of Odyssey mm. on the Switch, um, or at least exclusively on the Switch. If we yep. do get one, I feel like it would come out like right around the launch of the next model. And, you know, it'd be like two versions the way that breath of the wild came out on the wii u and on the switch yep um i think it would probably be something along that lines i don't think that would um necessarily be exclusive to one or the other um if they tried to make that exclusive to the switch 2 and it weren't backwards compatible with these 120 something million switches they have out there like people would riot so there, there's no way they're going to leave that money on the table yeah there's no um, way. but I definitely think that they would try to push that out on like a newer system as well to just really get people into that newer hardware too, not just the people like us that are like craving for an upgrade in hardware capabilities, um, but also, you know, just to try to get into the more mainstream, get more people into whatever the next thing is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um before we move on from Nintendo to go into Hogwarts reviews, uh, two fun facts that I think are just insane. So Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have sold 20.61 million units since launch, which has been, what, three months? It's now the fourth best-selling... November. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the fourth best-selling Pokemon game in the entire franchise. You know, that's yeah. that it's Sword and Shield is still beating it at number two, but they're five million away, and the game's brand new. So that's going to pass it. I mean, this game could Easily. theoretically pass red, green, and blue, which is at 31 million. So, I mean, th- that's insane. Again, the Switch is just an, an insane product. Having that handheld, having that home console, it's it's all the right things. I am shocked at how much it sold, though, with how bad that game is. I mean, you talked earlier today. It's like the best, worst game ever. 
Oh yeah, easily, easily. It's either the best worst game or the worst best game ever. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know there were there was a lot of uh, divisive scores whenever that game first came mm-hmm. out. Of you know just like all of these reviewers that were talking about it. it's like, listen, it runs like garbage. It looks horrible. There are so many bugs. There are so many <laughs> awful things with it. But man, if it's not the best thing I've ever played in my life, <laughs> it's and, you know, that's that's what it is. You know, it's yeah. it's it's sad that it is just plagued with all of these issues. And, yeah. you know, they're not even I'm not even going to put it all on like the switch as a hardware, because like there are games like Xenoblade Chronicles that run fine on the switch. Oh, so yeah. it is it is not just the system. Um, it is clearly that like these these poor people at Game Freak are like either understaffed or or just like crunching like madmen to try to meet these deadlines to coincide with like the cartoon and anime and like merchandising and all of these things where like they just couldn't delay it right but you know you you hope that we see some improvement patches come out and then um yeah to your point of them being the fourth best-selling franchise so far in pokemon um they're easily going to become number two like without a doubt in my mind yeah. because sword and shield have been out for years and they've had dlc to get mm-hmm. there which we um, assume it's dlc will be coming soon for this which will help sustain definitely. those sales for another year minimum you know definitely. pokemon I, I, games are evergreen they they always continue to sell because of like home and bank and stuff like that mm-hmm. not being able to get everyone it's it's a excellent marketing marketing strategy for them to always release the two games is it suck for the consumer sometimes yes but it, it helps them out and i mean I hope you know that with as the DLC rolls out, the game will get patched and run a little bit better at least. I personally didn't have a ton of bugs in my playthrough. Yes, the performance sucked, but like it's it was still a fantastic experience and, and my favorite Pokemon game probably since you know Generation Three. Yeah, I had I had a few hard crashes during my main playthrough that set me back, but um, thanks to like autosave and just like saving like a crazy person um i usually didn't lose anything like too much in terms of progress but yeah you know with you know, pokemon day is right around the corner you figure we're gonna get at least two waves of dlc for the game just going mm-hmm. off of what sword and shield had and you know at, at this point i i actually think a lot about things like cyberpunk Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like launching very poorly to say the least, but then really like digging in and and finishing strong. What with their uh, like they uh, won some sort of an award from like a uh, like the Steamies or something like that <laughs> for like community support. Yeah. Um, like they 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 had a large hurdle for them to like essentially win back consumers' trust mm-hmm. with you know, what they were saying the game was going to be and what it was and where they got it to be. Um, and, you know, now they have the DLC coming out and, you know, with the tie-ins with, like, Edge Runners and all this type of stuff, they really came back. And yeah. you hope that the Pokemon company is also, you know, hard at work trying to improve bugs and, like, graphical performance and all of these other things so that by the time these DLCs hit, it's in a much better state and, 
you know, hopefully they can get that that same sort of of goodwill or favor from the yeah. audience. I believe they quote they were quoted last month saying that the first patch to improve performance would drop in February. So that that should be soon, hopefully. Uh, you know, as they keep releasing these events for the uh, for the raids and stuff, people are still playing the game. I don't think it oh, had yeah. near as much of like a, a tail as like Sword and Shield did initially. Um, I feel like the conversation around Pokemon Scarlet and Violet has died down, but with Pokemon Day coming up, like you said, you know, we can talk about that more next week for predictions and stuff. But it's really soon. Uh, we'll get DLC announcements. You know, we'll see what the next you know games are coming out, whether it's you know a Legends or spinoff, all that fun stuff. It, we got that really soon to look forward to. Um, the last piece of Nintendo news I want to cover is just Mario Kart 8. You mentioned it earlier. We're never getting a Mario Kart 9. Mario Kart 8 no, sold 52 never. million units. It's absolutely yeah. insane. That's all I need to say about that. It's just insane. Um, sorry, Mario Kart 9, you don't exist because Mario Kart 8 ate you. But at the same time, like, do we need a 9? Like, if we with 8 Deluxe, all of these waves of DLC, yeah. you know, all of these characters and carts and, like, new courses, like... Theoretically, they could just keep adding to this game with expansion passes and, like, make their money that way. So, like, are you really losing anything other than, like, a big 9 instead of an 8, you know? So it's like... Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get a Smash Brothers Ultimate moment to where they just say, hey, the next game is basically the same, but it's everything. So have fun. So, because, I mean, Smash Ultimate's, like, regarded now as one of the best Smash games of all time, right there with Melee, and all it really was was Smash Wii U with a couple more characters. So, it it can happen. Yeah, Uh, you know, like, maybe maybe on the Switch 2, they come out with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but, like, they rebrand it, and -hmm. they just turn the 8 sideways (laughs) to Infinity, and it's like, this is the definitive Mario Kart. Like, this is the game that yeah. you want to play. This is and the like, destiny I don't know, maybe of Mario Kart. Exactly. They they come out with a DLC where it's like, guess what? Double Dash is a feature you could add. And they, <laughs> they could just add any features or courses or whatever type of shovelware they want to put in there to, to keep the Mario Karters alive and happy. But that would be my guess at this point, you know, and it's like, and the only thing that is more mind boggling than the amount of numbers that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has put up is the fact that whenever the Switch's successors come out, it's going to do it again. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) It's Nintendo's good Nintendo, you know, we just live in their world, right? They just, they decide what we want. You know, we don't have any say, they don't care what we think. They just do what they want at the beat of their own drum and it works. Or, or it doesn't, like it with the Wii U. So who knows? Maybe the sequel to the Switch is another fail. I mean, it, it could very well be. Look at the Wii. You know, who would have thought after the Wii, the Wii U would have happened how it did? So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, the Wii U, that's one of those things where, like, it, you kind of see what they were going for, but, like, the marketing was terrible. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like... It, it, it's almost like if if the Wii was the base stage of a console mm-hmm. and the Switch was the like the final form, like the Charizard of mm-hmm. the the console, the Wii U was just like a really really sickly Charmeleon, just like absolute gutter trash. You're in the middle of an ocean and all you are is like the sickly Charmeleon <laughs> that cannot swim. Uh, to where like it, it it was trying to get there. Uh, but that Charmeleon, you know, it doesn't know fly, so it it couldn't quite achieve the levels that Charizard could. So but what, it's, you, what it's, you're telling me is it's Cell after he absorbs Android 17. He's just ugly. He's not quite there yet. He he knows yes. what he wants to be, but he can't be it. 
Yeah, that is it's yeah, that's right there. And then the the consumers were Vegeta that just like <laughs> beat him into oblivion. Um yeah. and yeah, but yeah, you you got to assume that even Nintendo learned from hopefully. You know, the yeah. Wii U and like you got to imagine that's why they're taking their time on whatever is next after the Switch because like like they cannot let that happen again. Like whatever they do next has to like innovate and iterate on top of what we have now uh and you know as long as they can just like not drop the ball you know they're gonna be fine in their own lane for another decade plus yep so do you want to lead the discussion here about hogwarts uh you know it's it's a bit of a controversial topic um i'll say right in front of things here you know i've grown up loving harry potter but i'm I have a hard time loving Harry Potter now in a post JK Rowling world with how she treats certain individuals. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. I'll, I'll just come right out and say it, you know, the the controversies surrounding Hogwarts legacy uh right now the metacritic and open critic are sitting at about an 85 at the time of this recording. Shocking. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised it's so high. Yeah. Um I, I'm not as surprised just because like we've we've had this conversation before but you know there were a lot of reviewers that did not get codes for the yep. game until about two hours after yep. the review embargo was lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's a conversation that that's a whole can of worms. Um, you know, I'll say that uh, Hogwarts Legacy, their their PR team, stellar, mm-hmm. you know, they they know how to do their jobs because their job is to sell copies. And, you know, however you feel about a lot of these like big mainstay critics and you know not getting the chance to review the the game before it goes on to sale um you know that is its own conversation but uh and you know it's not a good conversation either um going into my background yeah huge harry potter fan i got into the series whenever the second book came out mm-hmm. i picked up the first book on a whim while i was at a target with my dad as a child nice uh and we were just picking up uh some gatorade before i went to karate and Classic. i got sucked into it and like you know at the, two days later i needed the second book mm-hmm. and then three or four days later i needed the third book and the third book wasn't out yet and my life just came to a crushing end <laughs> but i i i was there for every midnight release after that um i was a big fan of the movies you know i was a Potterhead, and yeah. then you know going into it adulthood and seeing J.K. Rowling be, uh, you know, just utter filth garbage of yep. a, a human being. Yeah, um, sad, honestly. It, it's, 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 it, it, it taints that amazing property, you know? 100%. Yeah, it, it really does take the wind out of the sails. You know, it, it, it really, for, pun intended, it, it ruins the magic yeah. that is that Harry Potter world than that that universe that she created yeah. and it's super hard to justify because you know at this point i've you know after like several moves and just you know a decade plus you know i don't have all of my harry potter books anymore mm-hmm. and i i don't even know if i'm going to like purchase them again even like digitally or anything like that just because 
I know that that money is going to go towards her because she still like yeah. owns everything yeah. associated with Harry yeah. Potter. And like that, it, that sucks. You yeah. know, like so, it's, it's, I, whenever I first heard about this game, like, are you telling me that I'm going to get Skyrim, but at Hogwarts, <laughs> like, bro, that, that, if you told that to 12 year old me, I would have lost my mind, Absolutely. you know? And, and it's it, for it to be just so muddled, and vitriolic because of like who is essentially you know that that person behind the curtain of the game uh it, it's it's definitely one of those things that like everyone individually kind of has to decide whether or not they want to jump into that game um whether it is a moral or ethical question mm-hmm. that you need to that you're asking or if it's straight up just, you know, like it doesn't affect you so you don't care or anything like that. But yeah. like ultimately it's going to be up to each individual to decide whether or not that is something that they're wanting to do. Uh, my recommendation would be if it if it's one of those things like you really want to play it, um, I would pr- I would recommend maybe just make a donation to a charity yeah. or like an outreach program specifically for like trans rights um and or for trans people that need help um and you know maybe at least try to match however much it costs you to buy the game yeah um just because like you know it's it's also like on the other side of it it's not fair to the developers you no, know they, like, I mean, they they are clearly passionate about this game yeah. and they've even included trans characters in this game so yeah. somehow they you know they were able to secure that without JK, you know, getting intervening. I know obviously Warner Brothers owns the property. So there there are some middlemen along the way, but it just it's it's a shame. I I don't know if I will play this game ever. I it looks fun. My wife is the biggest Harry Potter fan I know, so I'm assuming she would love to watch me play it. I just I don't know if I would feel, you know, morally okay playing that game giving $70 because it's not even $60 anymore. Yeah. $70. It's, it's hard. I mean, I almost want to say like, yes, donate, but also maybe buy it used because then, yeah. then they don't get the money. The, the, the secondhand shop does. So maybe that's the way you do that. I don't know. It's, it's everyone needs to decide for themselves, but it's, it's a very hard, hard topic to even talk about, let alone decide. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, it's it's one of those muddied types of things. I I don't really think there's like a right answer or a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um you might also wait for it to go on sale. Um you know, like you were talking about like a buying it used. Um my consoles are pretty like I pretty much am strictly digital same, at this point. Same. Um so I don't really have that option especially because my ps5 literally doesn't even take discs. (laughs) Um but you know like waiting for a sale, you know, like later this year, like games go on sale all the time. This is definitely one that I could see dropping down to forty dollars at some point in the future. That might be the time to jump into it. Um but yeah, yeah that that's gonna be a beast that everyone individually has to wrestle with and, and come to their own conclusion. Um but yeah it just uh it really sucks that we get Skyrim set in Hogwarts <laughs> and it's not an instant purchase because of 
the things outside of the game surrounding yeah. like and again not even the books or the movies or like the 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 actors or anything like specifically just the one person like the creator one, yeah <laughs> granted a very important person yeah. but like one person because of like just like the lies the hate the awfulness that they spew like it just taints everything else and that's that's a big feels bad yeah for sure and speaking of feels bad um amc Probably. I don't think they feel bad, but I know their consumers do. Uh, so AMC announced this week that they will be changing ticket prices based on your seat in the theater, based off of your sight line, which is blasphemy. Uh, I know the pandemic hurt theaters big time. I, I mean, we, we're adults. We understand how money works, and theaters don't make a lot of money on ticket sales as is. It's mostly in concession stands. But this is ridiculous. Theaters have kind of recovered you know, for the most part since, you know, COVID's kind of backed off a little bit. I know some movies have been done well in theaters, but they were never, I don't think they were pre-COVID levels. And to Not now yet. make this going to be, hey, you want to sit in the front middle or the, sorry, the middle, uh, the theater middle row, that's going to be whatever price extra. They haven't detailed that yet, but this is just, I, I don't even have words for it, to be honest. Yeah, this is yeah. So for for anyone that um, yeah has not heard about this, is that they will uh, essentially yeah be upcharging you based off of where your seat is in the theater whenever you purchase tickets. Um, so like the premium seats, you know, that's going to be anywhere along the middle going through there. Um, but then I believe it was. Uh, not going to be the case with um, like the um, the handicapped uh, access uh, seats that are usually down lower by the entryways. Imagine that, um, though. Oh my god. Yeah, and and you know the the thing is though, like this this does not help anyone. No. This like you you would think that coming off of the heels of a pandemic that almost killed movie theaters as like a whole yeah. that they would be doing everything they can to get people into the movie theater and this to me is a move that really is is something that is going to push people away from movies um you know i like we covered at the very beginning i live in the bay area so like i have plenty of movie theater options mm -hmm. um luckily um you know we actually canceled our we had the amc a list for the longest time my wife and i um because uh back where we lived previously in utah that was an amazing deal to see you know three movies a week for 20 bucks a month you get all of these like little extras no online fees discounts on uh, snacks and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And like, that was a deal, yeah. uh, for us, you know, it, it was huge. And we canceled it when we moved out here because the nearest AMC is just a long ways off. But for other people, AMC might be their only theater yeah. that is like feasible for them to go to. And, you know, like now we, we just recently within the past week, we converted over to Cinemark's, uh, like reward program. And it's not as meaty or robust as AMC's, but you still get a free ticket every month, and specifically it rolls over. You get a discount on any additional tickets that you get. You get a discount on snacks and all of this. I don't know why I'm going so far into this. I'm not sponsored <laughs> by them or anything. Not yet, but, right? <laughs> yeah, not yet. Knock on wood. But it's uh, it's one of those things, just to highlight like the value that you see into things, and... 
you know, for us, you know, there are so many movies coming out in 2023, you guys. There's so many good movies. And, and like, a lot of movies are probably not even going to be good, but they're probably going to be entertaining. Yeah. There's so but, many that are coming at out. Look you, that Fast like, 10. Yeah. Fa- oh, <laughs> so upset that it's not Fast 10, your seatbelts. That was the biggest <laughs> missed opportunity, I think, in the history of cinema. But, uh, you know, it's it's there's so many movies coming out that i want to see that like it it makes sense that you would want to be in some sort of a rewards program for you know if you have that favorite theater because you know at that point you know otherwise like that mentality like i'm losing money if i'm not you know yeah and uh, you know, so like we're really happy with w- where we are right now. We've got two Cinemarks that are within like two miles of each other, nice. um, and it's it it's it, it hurts to see this happen with AMC. It it feels very tone deaf. It yeah. feels like they. I don't know, like, are they gambling away their money to the point where they have to try a stunt like this? Yeah. Like, this this feels Bonkers. just really really bad and. I would not be surprised if we see this change get reverted somewhere down the line because they're talking about how they want to move this out of test market areas and have it encompass like all of AMC nationwide or worldwide by the end of this year. Yeah. I would not be surprised if they see numbers go down outside of markets where they have competition. Yeah. Uh, and- because this 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 is just like morally like doesn't feel good and yeah just financially like i get if they need to like if they're hurting for money but you know at that point you'd think they should really be trying to uh do some more things with the a-list you know maybe they have different priced tiers for it um other bonuses that they could give out but charging more for a better seat I think is a very slippery slope oh, yeah. to a, a very bad movie theater experience. So um, you said you live in the Bay Area, big city, obviously San Francisco. <laughs> so I live in the Detroit area. Again, big city, lots of theaters, lots of options. Now, <laughs> what our local theaters here have done has they have a premium seat. And literally, it's a premium seat, right? So they have this new VIP experience that does cost extra, but you have these nicer seats, you have like seat warmers, you have a hook for your jacket, you have space for your snacks, you have mm. little walls blocking off so you don't see someone next to you. Mm. And that's what they should be doing. Give the, con- give the consumer, the customer, the upgrade option. It, it, yeah. I mean, yes, they, they put the capital up in front to, to invest to do these upgrades, but it pays back in the long term. That's what they should be thinking, not charging more for the same exact seat as it was last week. That, that's yeah, ridiculous. And, yeah, and, and that I think is going to be the big thing that really holds them back is that they're not charging more for a new thing. They're charging more for a thing that we've already had. They're taking things away yes. from yep. the consumers. And I mm-hmm. think that that is going to, I mean, obviously we'll see, you know, I'm, by no means an economist i'm dumber than a bag of hammers uh you know so it's it your wife is a smart one right (laughs) yeah my wife is the smart one she's the one that got the phd i'm an idiot uh but like you know if there's one thing i love it's movies and whenever you love something you know you you follow it and you you're invested into it Mm -hmm. and this just gut reaction was just very very bad and you know we'll see how this develops yeah um and you know importantly too just because like if they are 
going to commit to trying something like this, it's going to be uh, maybe a little worrisome looking at their competition yeah. uh, here in the U.S. You know, if anyone else adapts something similar to it um, to, you know, stay competitive or if, you know... Uh, God forbid if this takes off and is very successful for AMC, I guarantee you that we'll see other movie theaters do it. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be really interesting. I personally agree with you. I don't. I think they'll back backpedal this. I don't think there's a way they do this because the the PR alone, you know, it will kill yeah. them. Uh, they just need to they need to pivot and figure something else out. You know, like um, I I don't go to the movies a whole lot anymore. You know, I. In a post-COVID world, I don't really like being around a bunch of people more than I have to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Unless if the movie's worth seeing in the big screen, like Top Gun Maverick or like a Marvel oh. movie, like mm-hmm. I will go to the theater for an experience. But if it's just mm-hmm. a movie that I kind of want to see, I'm not going to go out. So to take this, add this layer to it, that's even less of a chance for me to go. I still yeah. haven't seen Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and it's. I mean, I know that's throwing away one of my Marvel cards right there, but like. You know, it came out at a time where I wasn't able to with my work schedule, and it's on Disney Plus now. I think I'll watch it this weekend finally. But Disney Plus gets say, Marvel Kyle, movies. I've got yeah. great news for you. If you've yeah. got a Disney Plus subscription, <laughs> it just dropped. Yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah. if you're talking three months to wait to see that movie, right? And I mean, for Marvel stuff, sure, you don't want the spoilers. But if it's a movie that really you can avoid spoilers on, why not just wait to watch it at your house instead of spending yep. these extra money? So. I think that's a good time to transition uh, to this year's Oscar nominations. They were dropped last month, but obviously this is a new podcast, and you know, you especially, you you love the critical darlings. Um, I mean, yeah, little I, housekeeping. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I, we've talked in years past, like you know, especially when you had Movie Pass and then the AMC version as well, like yeah. watching all the Oscar nominations, and I'll, I'll try and watch what I can. And this year, I'm honestly really light on them. Um, I still have not seen everything everywhere all at once. I've been wanting to see that movie oh. since it was announced. Um, oh. And it, it hurts me to say that I haven't seen it. Uh, I just, I haven't. And uh, it's got 11 nominations this year, which is outstanding. Um, yeah. Everything about this movie is seems to be excellent. I know you're a huge fan of the movie. Um, why don't you kind of go over some of the, uh, the nominees that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Um, yeah, just very, very quick. I, I realize that we're running on an hour and a half here, but um, just like my background, you know, we're covering all of these things with games and movies, TV, just like whatever pop culture types of things are going on. Um, and I, of course, I love games. You know, I talk for 45 minutes about Fire Emblem and Pokemon easily, <laughs> but uh, my 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 biggest passion is, is definitely cinema and movies. Um, uh, so this is like this is this is that territory where like I feel very strongly towards and um, you know everything that you were talking about with you know like waiting on going to the movies waiting to be able to watch it at home totally understand completely get especially like God forbid if you're like immunocompromised and you're big into movies like my you wife know, is that pregnant point, right now so like yeah, why exactly. take extra chances. Exactly. And that is totally understandable. Um, And that's why, like, the premium video on demand, I thought, was actually really great whenever Mm -hmm. movie theaters were starting to open back up. But then they were also releasing simultaneously for, you know, albeit at an exorbitant markup, but you could still do it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that is... 
uh, yeah, with, with movie theaters like coming more and more back open, you know, for me, the experience of a movie theater is something that just can't be replaced, at least yeah. not living in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, if I can get a house and I can convert a basement into like, you know, with a projector screen and a nice 7.2 surround sound system um, and to, to essentially design it the way I want it, like until I get to that point. I still need a movie theater to get that type of experience that yeah. that I look forward to. It's very much like as cheesy it is is uh, you know the if you've ever been to an AMC recently in the past couple of years, the Nicole Kidman oh, little yeah. uh, ad that plays at the beginning. It's very much something that like as cheesy and corny as it is, it yep. is still something that really resonates with me because you know I just get lost into the movies. But uh, moving on uh, to some of the nominations um, for best actor in a leading role, the nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell, the Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser, the Whale, Paul Meskel for Aftersun, and Bill Nye for Living. Um, for these ones, uh, as far as just the movies that are announced, um, Elvis biopic about Elvis himself, um, the the Whale I've also seen, uh, starring Brendan Fraser. Um, After Sun and Living are both movies that I still have to see, as well as The Banshees of Edishirin. And after I saw the nominations come out, um, seeing how many things that The Banshees of Edishirin got nominated for told me that I needed to yeah. definitely make sure to go see this. So um, I've been looking to find like theaters that are playing them in my area so that we can get that going. Um I feel like or, uh, from the buzz I've heard, you know, obviously Austin Butler killed it as Elvis. You know, he did a really good job and the mannerisms and everything were incredible. But I feel like Brendan Fraser with the whale, right? That's gotten all these, you know, the Golden Globe, I believe he won for that. Like it was a transformative role for him. I feel like that's kind of a shoe in for this one. But I haven't seen those other movies either, so I can't really say. But just from the outside looking in, I feel like the whale for this specific role for for Brendan there was huge. Yeah, for me, historically, um, a lot of times these period piece biopics are uh, usually like shoe wins. You know, you look at uh, Rami Malek with um, Freddie Mercury that came out. Um, Those types of movies, they, they typically are they're almost designed for you know best actor or actress in whatever type of role so i feel like just knee-jerk reaction without seeing all of these it would be austin butler's to lose um but definitely uh you know just from my childhood you know the things like uh the mummy or like journey to the center of the earth brendan Mm -hmm. fraser is one of those like very heartwarming actors that like you just want to to succeed (laughs) and for him to have this sort of like come up here recently you know with you know voicing um whatever the tin can's name was in titans or or doom patrol yeah and uh you know starring in the whale which is you know gotten a lot of success um you know like i hope it's brendan fraser that'd be the, the one that like i just i hope he gets it because i think it'd be It'd just be very heartwarming for him to uh, to to get an Oscar, you know. But yeah, for um, me, for me with him, like it's funny. I haven't seen the Mummy or Journey to the Center of the Earth like ever. So when I think of Brendan Fraser, I have a weird pull, and that's from Scrubs. 
He was, you know, he was oh. a, a character on Scrubs who was hilarious, who passed yeah. away, and it was a, a super deep, dark episode from Scrubs. I love Scrubs, but <clears throat> Brendan Fraser knocked it out of the park in that show, and that's my only experience really to him. I mean, maybe things here and there over the years, but when I think of Brendan Fraser, I think of Scrubs. Really weird pull. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. I, that would not be my first go-to for it, but, uh, you know, as long as you're on the Fraser train, that's that's really all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like Elvis is to lose for, for this one. Uh, moving about, on to... Yeah. So, go ahead. Uh, well, moving on to Best Actor in a Supporting Role, uh, we've got Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, and Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inishirin. Um, again, I still need to see a couple of these. I have seen The Fablemans, so yeah, right now that would more. be where I toss my hat to. Oh, and then uh, Kei Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Forget what I just said. Yeah, Give it to say. him. Yep, exactly. Everything, <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. It, there has never been a movie like it. I don't think we'll ever get a movie like it again. This was just it. Oh, it was it was an experience. Th- this is one of those ones you were talking about. Like you don't go to a movie theater unless it's like for an experience. Mm-hmm. This is an experience. I saw this with my wife and two of our friends as a double date. And like, man, let me tell you, this movie noodles around with you afterwards for a while. There are some things that happen in this movie. It is such a good time. It is just wonderfully filmed and shot. The the lighting, the cinematography, the camera work, the action and the stunts and special effects, everything about it. It is just so off the walls and unique. It is the biggest breath of fresh air you could ever hope to achieve, I think, in a movie in recent years. Um, the fact that they've been nominated for so much uh, this year at the Oscars is is very positive because it deserves every single one of these nominations, if not every single win in the nominations that it was, you know, that it's in. Um, yeah, it is... It, it, yeah, I mean, one of the the one of the first things that you know for this year's Oscar is uh, Michelle is it Yo or Yo? Uh, I'm not yo. sure. Yo. So how? So she's the first Asian identified nominee for lead actress in the Oscars history. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. You know, and yeah. she's been around forever. You know, Crouching Tiger. She was recently in Shang Chi, which yep. is a phenomenal Marvel movie, one of the best Marvel movies mm-hmm. in years. You know, My and favorite. for this, yeah, for this to come out, you know, it's and be so successful, like. But then, with a title like the, that, it has right. It's not a marketable title. It's no. <laughs> predominantly an Asian cast, which is again not marketable to the wide, widespread audiences. But this movie is so good; it's succeeding in proving that these can succeed. That's the biggest yeah. thing that I hope people take away from this year at the Oscars. Is it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what race. A movie, a good movie, is a good movie. Yeah, that that would be that to me. Um, I, I think is definitely the most important takeaway. The second most important takeaway is that Michelle Yeoh earned this Oscar, <laughs> and whatever we get to, yeah, for the next category, best actress in a leading role, uh, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna De Armas in Blonde. Andrea uh, Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. It, it like, and don't get me wrong, I love Kate Blanchett, and I'm also like a really big fan of Anna De Armas, and I don't mm. want to take away from Andrea uh, Riseborough or Williams, um, but this this is Michelle Yeoh's. This yeah, is bro. this is her year to get recognition. She has been 
an actress in Hollywood for so many years and has, I feel like, never really gotten the credit that she deserves. And this is the most perfect way for them to finally give her that recognition and shine a spotlight on Asians and Asian Americans in cinema. And again, this is not even like a a token throwaway. She has earned this nomination. And like, if she wins, she will have earned the Oscar. Um, It is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens Um, again. You know, I'm a big fan of Anna de Armas and Kate Blanchett, you know, Kate Blanchett. I feel like she has gotten to that point in her career that she can kind of just come out and do literally whatever she wants and not have to worry about it anymore. She's Meryl Um, Streep essentially. Right. I mean, like, yeah, I I feel like she's gotten to that point in her career where like, she doesn't have to worry about like. Uh, a movie that maybe like is close to her heart but doesn't do very well critically like it's not going to ruin her career at this point she can just pick these fun projects uh, or you know like really just bust out her acting chops in a role that like maybe isn't something that you would associate but uh yeah i i this one is i think michelle yo's um, actress in a supporting role, we've got Angela Bassett from Black Panther, Hong Chow from The Whale, Carrie Condon from The Banshees, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and then Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere. And everything that I said about Everything Everywhere all at once, you're you're going to have to put a pin in it because I think this one is Angela Bassett's. Um, yeah, for and, Black and Panther. another first for, for this one, Angela Bassett yep. is the first MCU role ever. And all of the Marvel movies that have been out since 2008 for nominated for Best Actor or Actress. And yeah. Angela Criminal. Bassett is a, a renowned actor, you know, actress, <laughs> you know, and for a movie like this to finally get some recognition, you know, the first black Panther was very well received. It did well critically, but this also Wakanda made forever, a billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. Wakanda forever because of Chadwick's passing as tragic as that was changed that movie into something that mm-hmm. was not expected and gave these actors real emotion to play with. Cause I mean, yeah. they lost him also. So not yeah. only are they acting, but they were feeling and I think, you know, it seems like her performance is showing with that, which I, again, I haven't seen the movie. I apologize. I'll watch it real soon. I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. And then like a couple of these, you know, again, even I'm not perfect. I haven't seen all of these yet. It's, it's very much like I've got like four or five movies currently booked out that I've bought tickets for, for some of these in the next couple of weeks so that I can make sure that I've seen mm. them all. Um, but yeah, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, it's on Disney Plus. It's like $6 a month. Uh, there, You can like go to Spotify or Verizon or like any of these other things and mm-hmm. just get free Disney Plus for however long. Go see this movie if you haven't already because the 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 character work that is done in there Whew. um but also uh not to discount stephanie sue and jamie lee curtis from everything um again just out of the movies that i've seen uh really cool to see jamie lee curtis getting her uh getting an oscar nomination for that because this late in her yeah, career yeah right yeah her first yeah one. and yeah, and it's, like, between this and, like, Halloween being, like, her, like, really, like, recent things that she's done. Like, man, this is a very interesting role for her. And you'll understand what I mean if you see that movie. <laughs> and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, um, sure. Animated feature film. We've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix. Marcel. Ooh, this one gets me every time. Marcel the Shell with <laughs> shoes on. That's a title. Uh, yeah, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Pixar's Turning Red. Um, 
I think this is going to go to Pinocchio. We, My wife and I just watched this last weekend. And while I personally have a deep-seated grudge and vendetta against Pinocchio, uh, puppets uh that's a personal issue the movie itself i think was uh very well done and it's stop motion which is something that you do not see often anymore and it is really impressive especially if you go into the movie knowing it is stop motion i didn't Um, know that actually yeah it is it is it's definitely worth a watch a lot more uh nazism and like fascism than i remember being in the story of pinocchio yeah but uh yeah guillermo del toro he knows how to tell a story you know they got he had fish people he he's got so many great movies and i think this is just you know furthering that like uh, yeah man he knows he knows how to make a (laughs) film whether it's animated live action anything He, he knows what he's doing yeah, and that's not to be con- uh, confused with the terrible Tom Hanks Disney Plus Pinocchio movie that just came out recently. Also, yeah, that, that yeah. one that one hurts. Yeah, that one Which is, that uh, one hurts. Robert with Tom Robert Hanks. and Robert Zemeckis. I mean, yeah. my my favorite movie of all time. Well, it's debatably tied between Back to the Future and, and The Departed, but Robert Zemeckis mm-hmm. and Back to the Future is just a, a classic. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. And for him to be with Tom Hanks. Again, like it's just I don't know. That's it's crazy that movie was not good. Yeah, um, that, that one's that one's tough. Um, shockingly enough, also because like I, I I myself I'll admit I've given so much flack to the franchise as a whole, but Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, uh, that would be I think my sleeper pick for 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 this one because good things. They they yeah they've got some really cool action sequences. They've got some. Uh, really, uh, like more mature storylines. You know, they're dealing with uh, death and finality in this movie. There's there's a lot of of depth that I would never expect from a movie that is titled Puss in Boots. <laughs> uh, right. But it it I would not be upset if if The Last Wish takes it for this one. I think yeah. it's going to be Guillermo del Toro, um, just because of the the stop motion and you know everything to do with the film um but i won't be sh- surprised if the last wish somehow takes it home um now from are there are there any other over... nominees besides best picture left and we have best director maybe yeah but yeah skipping over a lot of these just for the sake of time i think yeah for best directing uh martin mcdonough for the banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once with daniel kwan and daniel Steinert. Uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, Tar with Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness, uh, Ruben Ostland. Hmm. Um, uh, I feel like just the fact that Spielberg is in the running um, is bad news for yeah. everyone else, uh, just because, just sheerly from name recognition. But um, something that I think oftentimes is the case, not always, it's not tried and true, but it is definitely a pattern. Oftentimes the director and the best film will often coincide with each yep. other. Um, and you know, it's not even, not always necessarily the case with the actors and actresses, but a lot of the times with the directing and best picture, it, it will be more often than not. Um, so this is one where if we see Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Shiner come away with this, then I think we'll have our answer for best picture with everything yeah. everywhere. 
And I would say that that is probably the one, uh, again, with only having seen two of these movies so far, um, that is obviously what I'm pulling for. Yeah, um, it, it seems like the buzz around them too is is that Spielberg's had his time, and it will, it'll be interesting to see you know, which way the Academy goes with this one. Yeah, um, the fact that Parasite won Best Picture a couple of years ago, which was a Korean movie, um, which is also just mind blowing on its own, because that one was in subtitles, and Americans don't like to read. Um, that's a <laughs> yeah. fact. Yeah. Uh, and well, uh, and let you me also tell you, had was that movie that won the silent film that won a few years ago, The Artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh no, 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 no. Um, it, not a silent film, but um, Coda. I believe, or at least it was nominated. Coda was a, a film that was um, uh, came out in 2021. It was a um, uh, a person that could hear that grew up in a family uh, of uh, everyone else in her family uh, was deaf, so it it had mm. some. Um, but that one's also a very very good film. And yeah. uh, let's see. But yeah. Anyway, going back um, to best picture, we've got. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. <laughs> this is an interesting and category. This is a very interesting category. It is... Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we see Avatar, The Way of Water here. Um, obviously, it's a it's a very well put together film. Yeah. But I think that it's, it, it, I think that it's it's technical achievements really stop before yeah. you get to best picture, and it's more so in like the cinematics or the effects or, or directing you know, even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the that fact that be, James Cameron wasn't nominated for best director is kind of shocking. Definitely weird. Yeah. yeah. Definitely weird that that is the case. Um. Top Gun Maverick, also very interesting to see love it. in so the, the best picture. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to see this. Top Gun Maverick, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget a tweet I saw um, shortly after I saw the film. But you know that you're invested into a movie when you're on the edge of your seat as you watch someone very slowly push forward on a joystick. <laughs> and it's like, damn, if that is not just putting a pin in exactly how it is to to watch Top Gun Maverick. And, you know, uh, I made my wife sit down and watch the first Top Gun before we saw this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first Top Gun, let me tell you, it did not necessarily age very well. But no. then going into Maverick, you know, coming out of that, she was very much like, oh, no, this was a much better movie. I could understand everything yeah. and, like, understand who's the good guys and the bad guys. It was great. Mm -hmm. You know, it was much better film. So I don't think that they will win nor no. do i think that they should but i love to see the recognition mm -hmm. of them getting nominated i think is very very good well and what's interesting and we didn't talk about this category but top gun maverick was also nominated for best screen adaptive screenplay which is even yep. more shocking than best picture in my opinion because as good as top gun is it's, it's a spectacle movie it's not really known <laughs> to be the best written movie yeah yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, you know, uh, if you want to talk about movies as a whole for the year of 2022, Top Gun Maverick was, it had 
some of the longest legs in terms mm-hmm. of staying powers yeah. in cinema. And I think that really helped them get this nomination because yeah. like people were, you know, word of mouth and like going to see this movie like multiple times. I think it's uh, definitely earned the, the spotlight for getting onto this list. Um, but I think that this one is probably going to come down between everything, everywhere, all at once the Banshees of Inishirin and uh, maybe Elvis. I would probably lean more towards the Fablemans. I okay. think. Okay. Um, I, but again, I, I, I hadn't I even heard the Fablemans before these nominations. If I'm being honest. Yeah, it was it was released. It was it was in limited release for the longest time. I'm not even sure if it went to like a super wide release. Um, I imagine it probably is by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just based off of just the few that I've seen, I've seen more of these because they've included Avatar and Top Gun and Women Talking. But like some of these I still plan to watch, but just knee-jerk reaction based off of all of the other nominations that we've seen, uh, those would be the three that I've got my eye on. Okay. Um, and I think... We all know which one I think deserves to win. So, uh, really, I, I have no on. idea. Could you enlighten me? Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yes, the Avatar two. The way <laughs> all right. Well, uh, since we're running long on time, let's do yes. some quick Ant Man predictions. Like I said, I won't be seeing it until next weekend after we record our next episode. But um, just top level going into it, what do you think is going to be some of the big takeaways from this movie? Um, yeah, so, I mean, you want to talk about takeaways, and obviously there there aren't any definitive spoilers in this, because nice. these are predictions, yeah. um, and, but, but I will say, just, you know, loving films, I would say I've got a pretty good hip-fire accuracy, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt, uh, with whether or not you want to uh, fast forward to the next segment, or if you want to listen and hear my crazy Pepe Sylvia conspiracy <laughs> theories, um, my guess would be this is where we see Paul Rudd's Ant-Man um, finish his run, whether he's uh, killed or, you know, just gets written out. I, I think this is probably where his character is retired. Scott Lang. I would agree. Um, I think that this is probably also where we see either a, a sacrifice or like just like a send off for um, Hank Pym yeah. and um, I'm blanking on his wife's names, but Michelle uh, Pfeiffer, Janet Van Dyne, Janet Van Dyne. That was it. I just uh, watched I, I, uh, the first two in the last week as a kind of a rewatch to get. I, yeah. I hadn't seen Ant Man the Wasp since it released originally. Yeah, we're planning on watching those this week leading up to it to refresh, but um, I think that we're probably not going to see very many, um, like, sort of, like, tie-ins or cameos from other franchises, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of weird considering it's based in SF and, you know, we just had Shang-Chi, so, like, I would love to see, like, a, a, a... you know, whether it's a pop-in or a cameo, um, I'd love to see something like that, uh, but I don't think that we will. I think we have um, a higher chance of seeing him in the Marvels than we do this movie, considering the yeah. post-credit scene for Shang-Chi. Agreed. Yeah. And, and you know, and because, again, uh, another reason why I think that we're probably not going to see, 
very many like big cameos from other Marvel properties in this is the fact that like I haven't seen it in any of the marketing materials. Yeah. Um, and you'd think that something bigger like that we would probably see, but this one very much does feel like it is almost entirely going to be in the quantum realm, which is just its whole other universe that is happening. Um, very excited to see Modok. I'm predicting that he's probably not going to do very much. No. Now, and did you see the still of Corey Stoll's face on Modok? I did, yeah. Do you think that was trickery there like this, to mess with people? Or do you think somehow Darren Cross is now Modok? I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that would probably be towards the upper limit of like, not cameo because he's from the same property, but as mm. far as like bringing a character back, this would be up there with them getting back um, Obadiah Stane and <laughs> the uh, little like scientist from Iron Man 1 in Spider-Man Far From Home whenever Jake Gyllenhaal was giving his yeah. big master plan. That would be, it would be like towards that end if they actually got Corey Stoll back specifically to play Modoc. I yeah. think would be, that would be cool and yeah. I would love the continuity for it and it would definitely give that character a lot of motivation for wanting Ant-Man dead for sure. Right. Um, now I did but... hear um, officially that Luis and his two associates, you know, T.I. and uh, Polka Dot Man. David Dutch Yeah, yeah. Um, they're not in this movie, which I think is a huge miss. Um, I think Luis, uh, Daniel, is it, uh, is it Daniel Pena? Yeah. Yeah, he's a great actor. I think some of the, the shining points in the Ant-Man movies so far have been him and his recaps and just his humor. And to not have that in this movie is a bit of a bummer. Um I have heard early impressions say that the the start of the movie is pretty rough, but once it gets going in the quantum realm, it, you know, it picks up. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm a little nervous, you know, for the movie. I was very let down by Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Um, I just it, it didn't vibe with me really at all, right right from the get go. And I'm really hoping because this is like the first big movie since that movie that we don't have that similar style um i know sam raimi's directing style is not my thing um, peyton reed's a, a good director I, I like his directing style so i'm, I'm hoping that, it, that the cg and everything works for me because in, in multiverse of madness it just it was pretty pretty bad mm-hmm. uh real quick just because i it was uh needling at the back of my brain uh michael pena is michael, yes i knew it didn't sound Danny right yeah. is someone else. yes yes um but yeah so yeah that that Definitely, I think it, it's so. It's hmm. All right, without going too far into it, uh, I think that it would probably be, be something to really kind of further the movie because it definitely seems to be the most serious of the Ant Man movies. Yeah. Um, because Ant Man, like the, the Ant Man franchise in the MCU, is very much a comedy series. Yes. Yeah. That is, you know, that has good action and special effects and like really cool sequences with like the shrinking and everything like yeah. that. But it is definitely a comedy first franchise so far. And I think if they are not including Louise into it, that that is probably towards them trying to make this more serious because this is where we're getting Kang. Um, yeah. And who, all the early impressions are, are fantastic. Yeah, like, and, you know, like, you talk about, like, He Who Remains from Loki being one of the variants of Kang, and, you know, if you dive into a lot of, like, the lore of Kang from, like, the comics, 
Um, you know, Kang and Galactus really, I think, are the only like th those would be the next 20 years, I think, of like big Marvel villains that they could build around the way yep. that, you know, these first however many phases built around Thanos. Um, yeah, and okay. if they if they waste kang here and like kill him off or write him off or just deal with him in some way the way that they typically do in most marvel movies um that would probably be the biggest disappointment uh in the mcu i think i don't think there could be a bigger disappointment than if they were to somehow deal with even just this version of mm -hmm. kang but then have other versions of him later because of the implications from loki um i think that would be a huge waste See, uh, going I, forward i think that's what they're going to do i th i don't think the kang we see in, in the avengers kang dynasty is going to be this kang um I think obviously there'll be very similar portrayals from Jonathan Majors, um, but I think because of the nature of how many Kangs are out there, I think that Kevin Feige and you know the team at the MCU there are going to want to explore other facets of Kang, like we got with He Who Remains, like, like we're getting here. Um, mm -hmm. I I think we'll we'll see more than just this Kang. I think whether he stays trapped in the quantum realm or dies or something, uh, I, I think he will probably be gone in this movie but we'll see i mean it's they could do anything with it you know with the quantum realm being what it is you know where time kind of stands still and is separate from everything else there's a lot they could do with it to make it really interesting and to kind of piggyback off what you said earlier i i, I do think this is the end for scott we have you know cassie who's you know they're clearly building the young avengers yeah, so with I think stature we'll, yeah, and we'll, all of these others that we've yes. seen in the movies and yep. the TV shows. Exactly, and I do think I think Hank will probably die, um, if I had to guess. If there's any deaths, it's going to be Hank, whether it's a sacrifice for Janet or whatever. I I don't know if Janet makes it out either. Um, you know, with her returning to the quantum realm, I, there's definitely going to be some Janet Van Dyne backstory with what she was doing for all that time while she was in the quantum realm. She clearly knows Kang already, so it's going to be. There's a lot more to Janet that we're going to learn in this movie, whether it's good or bad. Um, I you think know. that there. I think that if Hank dies, they both go. Yeah, I do. Too. Um, but otherwise, I think there will probably be something to do with like. Uh, they make a sacrifice to stay trapped in the quantum realm for yeah. whatever plot MacGuffin it may be going forward. But they make the decision like, oh, well, only one of us like needs to sacrifice ourselves. But, you know, the other one is like, I'm not losing you again type of yeah. deal would be my totally guess. Yeah, I could definitely um, see that. Yeah. And um, yeah, Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang, uh, I just keep coming back to it. <laughs> um, I could understand if they if they do kill this version of Kang, but they better not waste Jonathan Majors as a whole because no. uh, my, 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 the biggest reason why I hope that we do see this particular Kang move forward is because I don't want it to be like the arrow versus uh flash with, mm -hmm. um, uh, Dr. Harrison Wells, how it was yeah. just a different version every season. And like, while it was, um, you know, fun to have that mm -hmm. and like see that actor play so many different portrayals, I do think that it would take away from some of the gravity of Kang if, you know, 
this person who is very much just the comedic superhero of Ant-Man can yeah. like stop him. Um, but you know, because like Kang, like this Kang is arguably more of a threat to the universe and yes. multiverse than Thanos was. And Thanos killed half the universe. Exactly. So that, that, that is something that like, I, I, I'm worried. I'm not apprehensive. I guess I'm more anxious than anything to see what they yeah. do. And obviously we won't have to wait long. Mike tickets purchased. I'm seeing it next Friday. Very excited to see that next Friday night. So I won't be able to see it before we record either, but um, yeah, actually, yeah, right. Right. You'll be seeing, tickets. you'll record this podcast and then go see it actually, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. That'll be fun because it'll be fresh in my mind and I'll have watched the other two Ant-Man movies before that. But um, yeah, I, from there as far as like any other like crazy predictions like if you want my like blind man's <laughs> myth then i'd probably say that we get something with uh what's what's coming next what's the next major marvel movie uh the marvels i believe the mar oh really it's not guardians oh no you're right we, we have guardians three next and then the marvels Guardians and the Marvels. So, like, you'd imagine that we get something to kind of tie in there. Um, I, I don't see that. I think James Gunn and ha the, the team there has that all separate. I don't think we see any tie-ins to Guardians at all. Um, I think it's hard to say because, like, I almost want to say maybe this is where we get our first Fantastic Four Easter egg. Being be, being being quantum related, you know all that stuff. I wonder if we get something in the main universe with with Reed or or you know the Baxter Corp something to to go with that. Maybe Doom. I would I would love to see a Doom teaser, and, and you know that'd be fantastic. Doom, Doom that... would be ha fantastic. I see. <laughs> Did even mean to? Just gonna happen there. But yeah, I mean we'll see. I think. Kang's interesting because there's so many versions of Kang. And I think, you know, he who he remains kind of talked about that in Loki, where maybe this Kang is all knowing, right? He's in the quantum realm. He sees things differently. Maybe he knows kind of what's going on outside. And maybe the future versions of Kang that we see, maybe we'll have some ties to this one as well. Maybe it's not just one throwaway character like Harrison Wells was. Um, mm. I think Kevin Feige's proven he knows what he's doing. Phase four aside, I mean, Phase four was a rebuilding time. It was Disney Plus era. It, it wasn't the greatest thing, but there was still good stuff to come out of it. And Kevin Feige has proven that he has a vision. You know, we'll see if Secret Wars can succeed to the levels that you know Infinity War and Endgame did. But mm -hmm. I don't. I don't personally think it will. I don't think it can. But they're sure going to try, and, and I'll be there. You know, to see whatever they want to show us. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, and that that is that is something that we could probably record a, a podcast special just talking about the MCU and like the direction, like the ups and downs, and like mm -hmm. even like the now newly formed DCU under James Gunn, who is most famously known for the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy yeah. and the Suicide mm -hmm. Squad and uh, Peacemaker. But yeah, actually, um, that that topic right there is kind of really what got this podcast going because you know me and you have yep. talked about doing this for years, you know, in, in some iteration or another, you know, and. Uh, when that James Gunn stuff dropped, I'm like, man, I really want to talk about this in depth with someone. And, you know, we can talk more about the James Gunn stuff later as more news comes out. And the Flash poster dropped today, teasing the trailer on Sunday. 
super excited for that to see where it goes, you know, so we'll see, but, um, I, I mean, we're, we're cutting up on two hours now, so we probably should wrap things up. Um, so one thing that we want to do with this podcast before we wrap every show up is kind of talk about, you know, what we're doing right now, what we're going to be doing the next week, as far as what we're watching, what we're playing, anything like that. That way, if you, if anyone's still listening this far into this podcast, thank you very much. Uh, but if you're still listening, be sure to subscribe and yeah. leave us a rating. Uh, yeah. If you leave a five star rating on your app of choice, then we will give you a shout out in the next episode that yes. we are able to see that rating. So if you're a real one and you've gotten this far, especially episode uh, one. Yeah, prepare to have your name read out in a future episode because that's definitely going to happen. Yes, please feel free to you know like, subscribe, share, follow us everywhere. Um, we are Endgame Heroes on pretty much every uh, every platform, so mm-hmm. nice and easy for everyone. More will be coming as things go. This is this is very new and fresh for us, so we're really starting at the ground with level, working our way up. So if you are here for the ride, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is just something that we thought would be fun to do. You know, two friends who can't ever hang out so you know yeah but uh so this coming week you know obviously we talked ant-man's next friday so let's not count that but uh tonight you know we have the last of us episode five Uh, last of us continues to be one of the greatest shows ever in my opinion um last the last of us is my favorite game of all time i think the last of us part one specifically is one of the greatest stories ever told which is why we're getting an hb show hbo show and that's Uh this good so I have nothing but good things to say about The Last of Us. My wife, who does not like video games, watched me play Last of Us Part 2, only the Abby half, and, oh, loved, okay. and, 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 and loved it. So she had no context <laughs> right. for Ellie, but she just watched me play as Abby and loved Abby. So when you get <clears> to the Ellie part, she's like, I hate this girl. But now right. <laughs> she's learning about Ellie and Joel and their relationship and how good those characters are. And she loves the show as well. I'm super excited. I can't wait for tonight to watch that episode. I'm so glad it's tonight, not Sunday, because the Super Bowl on Sunday. So yep. I'm definitely going to be watching that. Um, you know, Destiny, me and you both play. Uh, I haven't touched in a long time. Um, I'll, I'll hop back home and Lightfall drops. But for now, it, it's still kind of on the back burner for me. Um, when was I'm, the last time you played Destiny? Like more um, than like a session? Um, I did the Revision Zero first quest. Um, okay, so did you complete season. it like all four weeks worth? No, I just did it once. <laughs> yeah, I still have that time. So um, a little context about me and I, I recently changed careers. I now have a nine to five job. I get to work from home a little bit. It's nice. Uh, I had my first baby on the way. I also do photography. So I have, I have a lot going on and this is really just a kind of an outlet for me to express my nerdy side, you know, with someone who I, I can talk to for hours at a time, you know, about this stuff. So I don't have a whole lot of time to play. I, that's why I love my switch so much. Cause I can grab and go. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really trying still to beat God of War Ragnarok. I'm, I'm making some good progress in it. Um, so that's my main game. If I have time to play, but mm-hmm. with with Metroid Prime being out, I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of hard to play God of War right now because I freaking love Metroid Prime. Sure. <laughs> but but yeah, that that's me this next week. You know, just waiting for Ant Man is uh is the thing I'm looking forward to. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, this week, yeah, definitely most excited for tonight with The Last of Us. Um, my wife still doesn't know that the episode is tonight, so when she gets <laughs> home from work, she's gonna have a fun surprise whenever nice. we have dinner going. Um, very excited for that. Um, Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. Um, we've got the Eagles versus the Chiefs, I think. Um, 
I don't have a horse in this race. Um, I like Mahomes as a person, so I guess I'd lean that way. But I also like the Eagles because they thoroughly destroyed the Patriots uh, whenever they were in the Super Bowl the other year and just styled on them in like the most aggressive way possible. And that's something that I will always respect them for. Yep. So we're I'm, I'm not going to be upset by whoever wins as long as it's a fair game. I just yeah. don't want to see any ridiculously clear someone got bribed calls from the refs. Yeah. Um, we're we're then, both yeah, from so, Indiana. So anytime yeah. the Patriots get crapped on, you know, that's good enough. Oh, feels right. Good. <laughs> feels <laughs> real good. feels real, real good. Yeah. Um, we just lost a third of our would be listeners. Um, <laughs> we, uh, what am I playing? Um, yeah, I'm playing, uh, destiny right now we are in the last half of the season so i am prepping three weeks away three weeks yeah so i am prepping i am uh putting together some builds to go into it in my fashion i am waiting for the final week to farm uh grandmasters for materials and grenade launchers since those are getting buffed next season very excited at (laughs) even just the the minuscule hope that heavy grenade launchers will be a meta in some way shape or form because it's been linear anarchy definitely so i really hope i hope that we can see that transfer to like other gls too not just anarchy Mm -hmm. but more than anything i just want linears to get taken down enough that it's not just the clear obvious best answer but without getting too far into that conversation um what else am i playing Uh, um hi-fi rush yeah that one i still want to try i still haven't got there um i do actually also want to try and squeeze in sea of stars before next week because that demo is pretty short and it looks fantastic yeah a lot of demos with octopath sea of stars uh, and then i also want to get around to hi-fi rush that shadow dropped like a couple weeks ago yeah looks great that i've only seen yeah amazing things of and it looks so fun and so much like a good time so that's that's what i'll be playing here for this next week and then what i'm watching movie wise uh the first two ant-man movies uh, I believe I have tickets for the Banshees of Inishirin as well. And then uh, for an animated movie, uh, we're seeing the uh, Kaguya Love is a War movie that is coming out um, on Valentine's Day, which oh, is nice. going to be fun. Hadn't heard Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... It's it's a fun little like rom com type of series. It's got it's it's got a good plot. It's got really funny characters that you you build with, and it's 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 a fun anime. But okay. um, oh, now, Blue Lock. I, have you been watching My Hero Academia as it's been coming out? I have yes, and so, let me. I've I've not watched it. this season yet. I I like to binge it. Um, if you, <laughs> I usually wait for like ten episodes or so, and then I'll binge those. So I have not caught up yet. I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it. Things are definitely getting like a little bit more real and darker in the series, um, which is great because the past couple of seasons have felt pretty stretched thin. Yes. Um, but the biggest sleeper pick that I would have for anyone that is into anime um, right now would be for Blue Lock. Okay. Uh, which comes out on Saturdays on like Crunchyroll. Um, it is a sports shonen anime about hmm. soccer. Okay. And it is like, and I say that as an American who does not have any interest in soccer, <laughs> Blue Lock will make you want to go out and play soccer. This so, anime is so much 
fun. And if you're someone that watches Blue Lock, you understand exactly what I mean. It yeah. is, uh, it, it has the makings that you want to see in a sports-based anime. It is um, amazing. And I cannot recommend it enough. Even if you don't like sports, you don't like soccer, it doesn't matter. Like, this is an anime that is just hella fun to watch and um also i'll just throw this out there i'm also i i read every night before i go to bed on my kindle and i am currently in book two of the gods of blood and powder trilogy by brian mcclellan um which is actually the second trilogy in the powder mage universe that he has written hmm. and uh, yeah it's pretty good it's it reminds me a lot of like brandon sanderson and of the uh specifically of the mistborn sagas that he has come out with i heard of and uh, they're a good time uh if you haven't read anything by brandon sanderson you should hmm. and uh once you've read through the 80 something books that he's come out with i would definitely recommend checking <laughs> the outer mage universe out it's it's fun it's a good time it's got a unique power system uh it's sprawling and i've just been devouring these before bed awesome well again thank you everyone for for listening and whoever stuck through this long really appreciate it um now as far as social media anything like that where where can people find you jack uh you can pretty much find me everywhere at harper jack ryan uh, it is just my name. Um, I am hoping maybe I'll start doing some streaming on Twitch for some games and such, especially with the new Destiny expansion coming out. But uh, otherwise, yeah, if you want to like see some like funny memes or things like that, you could follow me on Twitter, I guess. I'm not super active, but hopefully, I don't know, maybe if I start seeing more followers, I'll start. Yeah. Make sure to follow Endgame Heroes. Yes, please. And thank you very much. Until next time, this has been the Endgame Heroes podcast. Again, this will be recording every Friday, posting Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So we will see you next week. Thank you. Have a good night. Peace.